Welcome, my friend. You are listening to Read Clean YA with CJ, the podcast for teens and young adults who want to explore exciting worlds, deep themes, and epic stories without the objectionable content. I'm your host, award-winning young adult author, CJ Malacy, and in this episode, we are going to dive into an author interview with young adult author Nadine Brandis. Nadine Brandis once spent four days as a sea cook in the name of book research. She is the four-time Carol Award-winning author of seven books, including Wistress, Romanoff, and the Out of Time series. She is passionate about Jesus, motherhood, and creating with the creator. When she's not busy writing novels about bold living, she's adventuring through Middle Earth or taste testing a new chai with her or her husband and their four halfling children. Nadine Brandis, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you. Today, we're going to be talking about Nadine's first young adult dystopian trilogy, the Out of Time series. And before we dive in, I just have to tell a quick story about this series. So I found out about you and your books at the first writers conference I went to which was years ago, probably right around when A Time to Speak, book two in the series, was coming out. And it was this small local conference in Pennsylvania. And the woman who gave me a paid critique on the first pages of my novel at the time told me, you have to go read Nadine Brandis's Out of Time series. The series is so good. And I was like, okay. I had had a really hard time finding books from a Christian worldview that were actually well-written and really enjoyable. And your series was like the first one that I picked up. And I was like, this is so good. And I loved it. So this is a fun full circle moment for me right now to be able to talk to you about that series on this podcast. So I'm really excited to dive in and hear you talk about your first series. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's so fun to hear that story. I did not know that. And I I've been thinking I just love that someone is doing a podcast and a series focusing on clean fiction and clean reads, which is one of the things that got me into writing in the first place was wanting to find more clean Christ-centered fiction, and it just didn't exist back when I was a teen. So (laughs) I I love the full circles here. Yes, yes. And that's the reason I started writing as well. I wanted to be able to provide great stories with a Christian worldview that pointed back to Jesus in some way, whether explicitly in the pages or through different themes throughout the story. So I'm excited to talk about this series. Would you mind sharing a little bit about the Out of Time series for anyone who hasn't heard of it before? Sure. The The premise of the Out of Time series is a, about a world where everybody has a clock that tells them exactly how long they have to live. And the main character at the start of the story, she has only one year left to her clock. But what you kind of find out is that she's secretly sharing it with her twin brother, that they only have one clock and they don't know whose it is. They don't know who who's going to die at the end of a year. But both of them are kind of entering into that last year in their own way. And the main character has all of these questions about God, about purpose and the purpose of life and why she even exists. And so she kind of tackles that in a dystopian setting throughout the series. The series is so fun. And you literally had me draw jaw dropping moments where I was like, no, (laughs) she did not just do that. Like these twists and turns that happen in the series. Guys, if you read the books, which you absolutely should, I'm not kidding when I say there's going to be times you have to set the book down and go process what Nadine just did to you. <laughs> but in the best way, it's a good. It's all good. It's so oh, good. <laughs> I do get a lot of flack for some of that in a good way, but I try yeah. to. I try. Maybe this helps a little bit, but 
when I was writing the series, many of those jaw-dropping moments took me by surprise as an author. So I had to set the book down, too, to process, okay, God, is this really where you want me to take the story? So if anybody is kind of flabbergasted, so was I. You are not alone. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. Good to know. So we all went through that together, including you. (laughs) Okay. So how did the idea for this story, this whole series really come about? Yeah, um, I I love this question because I feel like the answer to it uh, is also so embodied in the whole series and the whole purpose of the series. I had actually, I, I had known this family. My family had a family friend um, and they had a son who was my age and I, I had never met him, but there was always this ongoing joke. I was a teenager um, and it was, oh, well, Nadine, someday you'll meet James and you guys will get married or someday you'll, he'll finally show up to one of our family get togethers. And I only ever heard about him, how he he would never go to college because he decided to skip college and go do mission trips or he wouldn't settle down and take on the family business. And it was kind of hearing these things with exasperation from his family. Boy, we sure wish that he would do these things. When's he going to just be like, hey, I'm I'm now committed to all these responsibilities of life. And then I got the news uh, in 2010 that he had actually suddenly passed away when he was in Africa doing ministry. And I had still never met him, but I'd always heard these things. And it was very, very impacting on me, even though we had never met I suddenly thought something in his soul knew he didn't have the time to do college. He didn't have time to do the family business. There was something that pushed him to do these immediate ministry focused things and to pour his life Mm. so intentionally into these other areas. And it just, I could not get rid of that thought as as many storytellers deal with big thoughts. We tend to deal with them with stories. And I thought, well, what if I knew? What if something in me knew how long I had to live? What if my Mm. spirit knew I only have a year left? Would that change how I live? And am I living as if my time is short? And those questions were so huge to me in that moment of life. I had just started grad school and thinking of the path I was on, the path I'd already walked. And I just sat down in the middle of like my my lonely apartment, not studying something in school related to writing, but out came like the first five chapters of A Time to Die as I processed that big question. And those chapters wow. actually have not changed very much from that first sit down moment. And I remember when I sat back and I read the words, it felt very much like I had not written them, like somebody else had mm. written them. And I just used my fingers and I typed them. And I knew then mm. this story was something big for me. And so I wrote it for me to process through that question. And then out came a trilogy that has then affected other readers also processing those big questions and life purpose. Mm, Wow. That is, I don't think I ever knew the full extent of the story behind the series, but I love how God will use story to help us process. And I find in my own life, some of the difficult things, those big questions, like you said, storytellers process through writing a story. And it is so true. And when we can do that with the Lord and invite him into that process, there's, I think, an additional healing that can come. Because like you said, there's a part of it sometimes where you look back. I know I've done that too and read 
passages that I've written and been like, I don't know where that came from. That was not mm-hmm. me, you know, and I think the Lord uses that to help us heal and see his hand in our lives in a bigger way than maybe we could have seen had we not sat and down and written out that story and how many people have to struggle through that question of how do I live when I don't know what the last day of my life is going to be? And am I living with purpose? Am I living with intentional days in my life? If I could know the end, how would I be living right now? And having a series to kind of walk us through that and help us process those questions, I think is really powerful and impactful for readers. So I I know it was a series that really blessed me, and I'm sure that it has blessed many, many others as well, because I think those are big questions that everyone faces at some point, and death brings those questions into sharp focus. And as a culture, I think we like to ignore death a lot, like pretend that we're not going to die. You know, I think everything is all about death is not a, a part of the equation, but at the end of the day, that apart from God, you know, coming back and starting his kingdom, you know, it's, that's, that's going to be in all of our lives. We're all going to have a death day. And how do we live in light of that? And that is an important question that every one of us needs to wrestle through at some point. Yes. Yeah. I know it made me wrestle through it. And I'm, I'm thankful for that journey. Even if no one had read these books and they had just been for me, that it was life changing for me just to process through it with a story like that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm thankful that you did (laughs) for sure. For sure. So just to help readers kind of connect your series with other books or tropes or something that they've read before, could you share other books or tropes that you would say are connected to or similar to your series? Yes. Uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of cliche to say the hunger games, but that was the first series that introduced me to dystopian. And that's what I was reading when I started writing the series. And so dystopian meaning a slightly future idea of what the world could look like and then what would come from that um, has similarities to The Hunger Games or Divergent and books like that are more common ones that I think people would would recognize. I'm trying to think Mm, of some that are more current day but I haven't I'm not as up to read up on my reading as I would like to be but there are so many other good dystopians out there that I hope to dive into uh when when things slow down quote unquote (laughs) as though that's actually gonna happen (laughs) (laughs) maybe when your kids are old enough to read those bigger kids stories out loud (laughs) we'll read them together (laughs) exactly exactly there's a time it will come I know it's been a little while since you wrote the series, but do you have a character that you really connected with in the series, whether it was Parvin, who's the the main character, or someone else even who you really resonated with or enjoyed writing? Yes. I. So you're always cautioned, don't write yourself into a story because you're going to (laughs) change and then you're not going to be able to have a consistent character if it's you because you're changing. But I totally threw that out the window. And Parvin was very (laughs) much teenage Nadine in the sense of the questions she was asking, not in like her actual circumstance or family relationships or things like that. But the big questions that she had were big questions I had had as a teen and some of her insecurities as well. So a lot of that was kind of writing in teenage Nadine and what I had worked through with the Lord when I was younger in my faith. So I have a special kinship with her and seeing her grow because I was also in a place of growth while I was writing the book and growth with the Lord. Mm. Um, But I also had a lot of fun 
writing Solomon Hawk, which you get to know him better in some of the future books. He's He's got a, a little bit in, in the first book, but he was a very, very pleasant character to write, but also challenged my, I'm trying to think, well, how do I talk about this without spoilers? <laughs> he challenged a lot of my ideas of what a strong faith-filled male character could look like. Um, mm. I feel like I had encountered a lot of cliches in some of the reading that I had done as a teen. And uh, and I wanted to break that mold a little bit, especially because at the time, I had met the man who is now my husband. And I was going through this romance in my own life. And I was thinking, like, this is way better than anything that I read in fiction, all these ideas that I was given. And so I really wanted yeah. to kind of capture like, what does a a man who loves the Lord, what, what does a fictional man who loves the Lord look like without all of those cliches? Mm. And so just going on that path of being able to write him and also just enjoy him as a character, he was very, very fun to write. And then um, Skelly Chase, who is the antagonist of the story, was really fun to write which sounds awful right but he he just had he was so complex in my mind and his motivations always made sense to him but made him do these things that that everybody gets so angry about and you know you from just an observer standpoint you might think like you are a bad guy these are bad right. things that you are doing how can you not realize these are bad things but when I knew what his motivation was as the author uh, it was just kind of fun to see that clash of it right. makes sense to him, but it doesn't make sense to us. But anyway, so it, yeah. it felt like I was always writing a puzzle and finding answers while I was creating him into the story. Oh, how fun. I think sometimes when we discover things as we create, it just makes the process of writing that much more enjoyable. Yes. And also the story that comes from that has some twists, unexpected turns as well, like we talked about mm -hmm. earlier, because yes. we discover things as we go. And we're like, oh, this <laughs> changes everything. Yep. <laughs> yes. So we have already talked a little bit about the themes in your stories. Mm -hmm. And it sounds like just kind of coming back around to that, because I do love focusing on that at, in this show, as listeners mm -hmm. well know. And you really seem to go in with an intentional theme for this particular series. Is that true? Like when you started writing, did you really want to dive into the theme of time and being diligent with the time God's given us and trusting him completely through that process? Or did you kind of discover some of those themes as you wrote the story and process through your own emotions and struggle with those questions? Yeah, I discovered it a lot as I was writing, because I didn't necessarily have the answers. And I, I wouldn't say that the series delivers all the answers. But I am a discovery writer or a pantser. I don't plot beforehand. And because this series was so different than all the other books that I've written, it was very much just a process for me. How could someone sit down with their journal? I'm going to process through something hard, but also knowing the end goal. They don't necessarily yeah. know it until they've processed through. And that was very much how this series was for me, was processing it through and then plugging that into story. And I would say with all of my books, I don't, I have a general idea of what I hope the overall message or spiritual thread or big question would be, but I don't really know where that thread is going to lead until I write it or until I edit it. And it was the same with the series. I think I've, in all the authors I've just talked to so far on this uh, show, which has been so fun hearing different perspectives, but I think often the, the ones 
who have these really deep themes say that they discovered it in the middle or afterwards. And it's, I think, because often those deep themes are the things that resonate in our hearts, in our lives. And the Lord wants to bring those out. And if we invite him into that process and as believers, that's what hopefully we are doing in our creative endeavors, right? Is asking him to join in with us in that. I think he delights to draw those things out. And when he does it and we discover that theme, it's so much more real, I guess, is a way, you know, it just comes across in a way that doesn't feel cheesy. It doesn't feel slapped on. It doesn't Mm -hmm. feel preachy because now it's something that is woven into the fabric of the story as opposed to slathered on inappropriately in places where you're like, as a reader, like, please, this is not where I want to be right now. You're just preaching at me. I want to know what happens next, you know? Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I think it can be very easy if you go into writing a story with an idea of, well, this is the message I'm going to send. It does, it tends to come out preachy or it doesn't come out the way you want it. And I get asked a lot by young readers, well, how do you write in a believable theme, especially if it is a Christ-centered theme? And my answer is, pray over your book and invite the Lord in. It's not necessarily when to plug in the theme, when you're drafting, when you're editing or in between. It's to invite the Lord in and he'll weave it in. And there's this beauty when you're writing with Jesus and you have invited him into that story, every writing session, every time, you know, through the whole process, writing, editing, marketing, publishing, when you invite him in, you have a co-author. And for the perfectionists in the room, guess what? He's perfect. (laughs) And he will bridge that gap of your imperfection and where your story needs to be. And so much when I, when my books go out into the world and I'm just praying over them as they go out, I hear feedback from readers who talk about a theme or a thread or something that resonated with them that I never saw in my story that I never intentionally wrote. And it's like God is putting all these Easter eggs that change lives in your book with you and you get to discover them even like way after publication. So why wouldn't you invite the Lord into it? It's it's just something, as you can see, I'm very passionate about because it is so exciting to see the things he will weave into your story and weave into your heart while you are writing and publishing a book. Amen. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said. (laughs) And I think He is the ultimate storyteller, you know, and Mm -hmm. I've said this so many times, whether it was on the podcast or just talking in general, because I love that God loves stories. I love that that's who he is, that the Bible is not a list of laws because it could have been. It could have just been commands. And he was like, no, I'm going to talk to you about Ruth and now I'm going to talk to you about Daniel. And let's like we're going to have a real long go of it with David, you know, and all of them were to demonstrate who he is and his character and his love and just the outpouring of this God that we will never fully be able to comprehend. And the fact that we can then imitate him in some way by creating stories, why wouldn't we Mm -hmm. ask the greatest storyteller to come and be part of that with us? Because now not only do we get the experience of drawing closer to him through story, but then as we submit, whether it's our books or any creative endeavor or any part of our life, as we submit it to him and ask him to be part of it, and we want to do everything is unto him, as we do that, then we are being woven into the greatest story of all time, of redemption, of salvation, of a mm-hmm. God who crossed galaxies and heaven and earth to redeem our souls from hell and sin and death. And that's 
insane to think about that he would choose some such as us to be part of that process. But he does and he loves to. And so whether you're a writer, if you're a listener, or you're a reader, or you're someone who is just trying to figure out how to you know, follow Jesus each day, like just knowing that you can invite him into your dailiness and he will meet you there and he will show up and he will transform something that was just temporary and really of seemingly no importance. And he will give it eternal value and significance in a way that I don't think we'll actually understand until we're with him in glory in eternity. Amen. Yes, I just love this. I love talking about Jesus with someone else who loves Jesus because there's something so invigorating and refreshing for the soul when you do that (laughs) and just get excited. (laughs) Yes. Oh, so true. So true. Yes. You already mentioned that readers have reached out to you and found themes that you didn't expect and that there have been many who have reached out just sharing with you that this series has blessed them. But For that reader who hasn't picked up this book yet, maybe, or they're thinking about it, what's something that you would hope that they would close that last page and of the books and understand maybe in their heart, something that they would take away? I I would want them to take away that there is a reason that they are here uh, existing, because I think a lot of times, you know, through the different processes of life, or especially those teen years or young adult years where we're asking big questions, we're trying to find our identity, there can be hopeless times and that God created you for a reason. And statements like those, you can hear it from the pulpit, you can hear it from a friend, you're here for a reason, you know, that we hear that so much that it can feel flat or it can feel cheesy Mm. or it just doesn't strike home. And some, I think God uses storytellers to take a message and give it a home for a reader who is then able to grasp that message Mm. through a different, uh, you know, venue of storytelling. And I would just hope that somehow that would drive this, this knowledge home that number one, God has created you for a purpose for a reason, but also that that purpose is intertwined with relationship with him. And that that is so worth it, that God is worth it. Jesus is worth it. Try him, you know, and uh, and give him a chance. If you're not, if you're not sure, give him a chance and just, okay, I'll give him everything for a time. And I guarantee you it will be worth it and it will change your life. But that can also be a scary step to take. And maybe through fiction, I can show you someone who's taken that step and it's been good and light and hope in a very dark dystopian world. And that that can still be the journey, uh, this journey of hope and light, no matter how dark things get. So I guess that was like, Six messages in one. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so good and so vital because our world feels, I think, more dystopian every year, more yes. more darkness, more craziness. And for those who are just feeling like their own worlds are falling apart, you know, it's we need to know that hope can shine even mm-hmm. in the darkest moments and that the ashes can be made beautiful, that God does redeem and restore and, you know, like we were talking about before we jumped in here that God never wastes our pain. And mm-hmm. and that is something so profound and so incredible. And yes, I echo everything you just said and say, <laughs> if, if you haven't given Jesus everything, 
because that is what it takes to tr- to quote unquote like Nadine just said to try try Jesus. To, yes, you do have to. You have to throw everything on him. It's like you mm-hmm. can't try a jet ski by leaving one foot on the dock. You right. have to get all the way on the jet ski. <laughs> so you know, in order to experience what that adventure is, but and that is what it takes. And and you know, I I agree. I completely agree. He will not fail you. It will be worth it. Because we all face hard times, whether we trust mm-hmm. him or not. We all face struggles and difficulties. It's going to hit every one of our lives. Difficult things will. Mm-hmm. But with him, it's bearable. And even when it feels like it's not, he steps in and gives you that peace that passes understanding. And he meets you in the brokenness. And he wipes those tears and gives you the strength to get up and step forward into another day. And I know for me, there are days I could not have gotten up again mm-hmm. if I didn't have him there with me. So yeah. I... I love it. And I do believe your story can can say that. So if you're still listening and you're like, I don't know, these two women are crazy, but (laughs) but I'm still listening, (laughs) then I would encourage you pick up the stories because they're fun. They're an escape from the craziness of your life. And I do believe they will say some of these things that we've been saying throughout the several hundred pages of the three books in a way that will hopefully get past your barriers and reach your heart. So I love it. Well, Now I just like to give readers a look behind the curtain at the author. So could you tell us a little bit about you and what started you on your author journey? Yeah, I I started writing books because I wanted to read something more fantastical. I I grew up before young adult fiction existed, um, before there was social media. And it was now looking back, I'm like, oh, if only we could go back there. Not not minus the YA, but there was a simplicity that allowed for more complex thinking, I think, mm. without all these distractions. But on the reading front, I had Narnia, I had Lord of the Rings, and then I had shelves and shelves and shelves of like Christian romance. And that was what existed. <laughs> that was yes. Fiction in those days. And it wasn't that teen Nadine wanted to read all of this Christian romance, but I wanted to read clean books and that's what there was. So I grew up in a town without a library. I had very, very few options. And I remember thinking, well, fine, I'm going to write something that has adventure in it. And I just started writing for myself. I wrote this big, like eight point of view characters, 150,000 word story that will never see the light of day. Me and my siblings, we all love it, but it's, it's not, (laughs) it is not publication worthy or ever will be. But that's kind of what started me writing was just, I, I wanted fun stories. And I think I was very blessed in the fact that I entered writing without ever thinking of publication or ever Mm. thinking of a career. And that allowed me, I think, to enjoy my stories. I think there are many authors who write their books with a goal in mind, but it's hard to enjoy that book because you're either meeting a deadline or you're trying to hit a trend or you're writing it for a publisher. And I've struggled with that with some of my later books, but I've at least had the experience of I'm writing these books to finish it so I can read it. And Mm. it wasn't for anything other than that. And once I was in college, I I remember thinking, wow, I'm finally done with this really terrible book. But I had (laughs) finished it and I want it to look like a book. And my mom said, well, we'll find some sort of company that binds it And then you'll have a book on yourself. So my big goal, my big, huge dream was to have my manuscript look like a book. 
and it would wow. be on my shelf. And that was it. And I, I still hadn't thought of any sort of publication. But then when I did, and I don't need, I was in line for, uh, to get a book signed by C.S. Lewis's stepson. And, and I remember thinking, oh, he, like he wrote it and published it. He came to our college and he talked about it. What if I got published? What if I let other people read my book? And it was just this huge light bulb moment for me that I feel like readers today, they get that light bulb moment way earlier. I was in right. my 20s and I had literally <laughs> never thought of publishing. And so suddenly I had this desire and I remember I was praying about it and I called up my dad. I was a I was a junior in college and I said, "Dad, I don't think I want to day in college studying speech therapy, which was my major at the time. I said, I think I want to study creative writing. And my dad, bless his heart, because he's an amazing dad. And this is a testament to that. He said, okay, tell me what college you want to transfer to and we'll make it happen. And that's fantastic. What dad does that. But that was not the Lord's plan. He closed every door, every window, anything that would allow me to get out of that road of speech therapy to go and study writing. Mm. And it was so clear from the Lord, no Nadine, that I, we argued a lot and I said, okay, fine. You're making it clear. I have to stay in college and study speech therapy. Fine. But don't you forget, I want to be a writer and I want to write books. You made me feel this way. So I'll be faithful. Don't forget and I'll graduate yes. and then we'll have this talk again. So I I continued through college and I got my bachelor's degree thinking, okay, I've graduated. Now Nadine will write all of her books. And that was also not God's plan. He said, no, you're mm-hmm. going to grad school. And I, I say this as though there's this audible voice, but it was such a stirring in my spirit from just right. and through prayer and journaling that it was very clear. That's what the Lord was saying. And I wrestled and wrestled and wrestled, but okay, don't forget God. Don't forget. I want to be a writer. And so I went to graduate school to get my master's degree. And while I was in graduate school, which was in a completely different state that I'd ever, I'd never lived in. It was in Missouri. I'd never lived there before. That's where I met my husband. That is where I got the idea for A Time to Die. And that's where I first sat down and started writing that story because it was so so much pressure in my head. I couldn't even focus on my classes. And I'm like, sorry, God, I just have to write. I can't think. I can't even hear my professors. Like I'm just sitting there thinking about this. And a time to die came out. And when I graduated from grad school, God said so clearly, okay, Nadine, now, now, right. And I thought, well, now everybody expects me (laughs) to go to the speech therapist, like my parents, everyone who knows me. Um, But I, he gave me the choice of which road mm. I wanted to take. And I chose writing and I wrote A Time to Die. It got published with my dream publisher at the time. And he just threw open every door after that. Yes. And so many writers have this waiting period of how long do I have to draft and wait until I get published? And that was my waiting period. And it, it spanned about five years of me waiting, of God saying, no, you need to do these things and you're not ready He didn't say that then, but now looking back, I wasn't ready. And I grew in him. I grew in life. And then the minute he said, go, every book that I've written since then has now been published. 
Amazing. I love how God works because it is not how any person, no man would ever say, this is the perfect idea for Nadine's life. Like no one would do that. (laughs) No woman, no one would be like, this is it. I figured it out. And yet that's how God works. And it's the testimony of his faithfulness and your obedience and how he worked through both of those things, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's easy to lean on our own understanding. And I'm sure there were moments where you were like, I don't think this makes sense, God. So I'm going to go do this. But you didn't. You chose obedience. And sometimes obedience is often obedience is not a feeling. It is a distinct choice, a moment when we can say, I'm dying to myself, but I'm choosing you, God. And when we do that, he does incredible things. And it's not to say that someone else is going to have the exact same experience because you're not going to. Each of our lives are unique and God has a distinct purpose for all of us. But then to see how through that he grew you, I'm sure you learned so much about him in those five years and how much your own faith was strengthened as you walked. And then as you looked back over his faithfulness and all of that, he's so concerned about making us more like him, more like Christ, of showing us his characters. It's not about an accomplishment with God. It's about us growing in him and watching him do the impossible because he moved mountains Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Like, like I said, no person would say this is a good path to publication. Right. In fact, they would preach against that. <laughs> but it is how God decided to work. And I just love, I love that because I, I'm sure on the days where you feel like I'm not an author, I can't do this because we all have imposter syndrome. I'm, I mean, I'm putting that on you, but yeah. I'm assuming we all have those days where wherever we're at in our life, we feel like I'm not good enough to do this. I can't do this. I, it's not enough. Those years of walking with God that you can look back on and see the miracle of what he did, how that must encourage your heart on the days when you're like, I don't know if I can do this. But then you see he's not, it's not you that's done it. It's been him. (laughs) (laughs) It's just resting in that and getting up and being faithful and obedient to what he sets before us today. Mm -hmm. Because that's all we can do, what we can do today. Yes. Fantastic. I love it. I love stories of God's goodness. <laughs> so, so good. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. What do you like to do on days when you're not writing? Because I know that there are many of those, I'm sure, with the family that you have. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, being a writer, I think people, they have this idea of what it looks like for the writer's life, that you're sitting down and writing, and, and I'm not. I, I, It is actually very rare for me to have that sit-down writing time. It's written in little bursts here and there, or if I'm on deadline, you know, a couple planned chunks of time, but for the most part, my days are spent with my four little children. They're ages four and under. So <laughs> that's, that is what my house is filled with and with my amazing husband. And I I love, love, love being a mother. If anybody follows me on Instagram or my newsletter, you will see how much I love being a mom and pouring into these little lives so that is, that's, uh, I'm like, that's not a hobby, but that's what I love to do. And right. we have storytelling in our family and I chip away at, at ideas, but also um, in the midst of that, you can probably hear some of my kids on the other <laughs> side. I just heard a little squeal. I love yes. it though. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but I love to cook. I love adventuring and going outside and um, just things, things in the creative vein. That's really what fills my day. I didn't always love to cook, but now that I have a family, I do. So that's something that I would say like fills me up instead of drains me. For many other people that Mm -hmm. drains them, but for me, it fills me up. And 
Yeah, those are, it, it sounds like a simple life, but I, I really, really love it and just spending time with the Lord. So yeah. I wish I could, I could say all these, you know, big grand, well, my, my favorite pastime is skydiving every week. No. But, <laughs> Amazing. Like that. I did all the grand, big, shocking things back before I was married and had kids and, and anybody who knew me back then, they're like, wow, you've slowed down. <laughs> Such a good slow. I love it. <laughs> yes. Well, you slowed down, but yet four kids under four is yes. an adventure. <laughs> In and of itself, <laughs> and that is, I am sure your hands are plenty full. Yes. <laughs> you do not full have time. Joy. Yes, other other adventures. <laughs> yes, yes, I love I love that though. And my mom was a very um, intentional, present mom, mm-hmm. and that changed my life. And mm-hmm. I see how how lacking that is in the world around us today. And so yeah. I think it's beautiful to see a mom who wants to be intentional with her children and pour into them day after day. Because, like I said, I watched it. I know in my own life, I would not be who I am today without Mm. my mother. And I'm so thankful that she decided that the slow moments and playing hooky from school was okay and going (laughs) on adventures and getting donuts and whatever the little things were, they are the, the little moments that make up my life that helped shape me into who I am. And I think that that's incredible. And that's something worth celebrating. That's not often celebrated as much as it should be. Yes, <laughs> so I we agree. need moms. <laughs> yes, we do. My, my mom changed my life. She's my best friend. And I remember when I got married, because she had five children. And I thought, I will never be her. I, I had all like, I didn't think I'm going to have all these children. And I thought she was all in and I, I can have this balance. I'll balance. You know, I had this whole plan before I was a mother because uh-huh. I thought I knew how to, you know, how to do all of, of that as we all, we all do before it actually happens to us. And then I had my first baby and I was like, oh man, I have to be my mom. I have to have as many children as possible and be <laughs> as all in as possible because I get it now, mom. I love it and it's worth it. <laughs> yes. Oh, I think that's, that's fantastic though. Cause when we have great moms, it's good to emulate them at least in parts. Yes. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah. Well, we are running out of time today, unfortunately, because this has been such a fun, great conversation. I've loved every minute of it. But before we go, oh, good. good. <laughs> before we go, can you let readers know where they can find you and connect with you and your yes. books? Yes. Um, I mean, I'm mainly on Instagram, Nadine Brandis, uh, my news and my newsletter, um, which you can sign up through uh, links on Instagram or at NadineBrandis.com. You can find links there. Those are kind of the two avenues where I keep communication and life updates and book updates on and my books can be found wherever books are sold especially wherever books are sold online some of my books are in bookstores but bookstores are finicky things so but you can request them at pretty much any bookstore and so that should hopefully be easy Yes. <laughs> Perfect. And we'll have links to your website and uh, your social media, Instagram handle and all of that as well. And if you want to see Nadine's adorable family, you can definitely follow her on both of those places. She does a great job of keeping readers up to date on her life. So Nadine Brandis, thank you so much for being here today and for this wonderful conversation. It really was a joy to be able to talk to oh, you. It was a joy with you. Thank you for having me and just for inviting me into what you're doing and to share what I'm doing and what the Lord is doing through both of us. I hope you enjoyed listening in on this conversation with Nadine Brandis. Nadine is a sweet, genuine, and wonderful person, and I loved getting to know her more. 
as you could probably tell since this episode went a little longer than usual. If you are looking for a dystopian adventure with mind-blowing twists and turns and deep spiritual truths woven seamlessly throughout, then you have to try out the Out of Time series. You're going to love it. There are some intense moments in the series. It is a dystopian book. However, Nadine isn't overly graphic in her descriptions. But if you are very sensitive or a younger reader, it might be good to have a parent or trusted adult read the story first. If you are on my email list, you know that I have decided to make Read Clean YA with CJ a two-episode-a-month podcast for the next few months. That means you can expect new episodes on the second and fourth Wednesday of each month. I have more fun interviews with other wonderful young adult authors coming up, and I can't wait for you to listen in. Next time, I'll be talking with Karen Grunst, author of Sacred Fire. If you're looking for an exciting fantasy read, you're going to enjoy this interview and love the story. Thank you so much for listening to Read Clean YA with CJ. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend so they can discover exciting, clean, young adult books too. 